Well, let's continue to think about what it means to be invited to life. That's the series that we're in right now, and we're talking about the fact that Jesus Christ gives us an invitation to life. And the life that Jesus is inviting to is a life that goes above and beyond a life that we can even have on our own. That's the invitation that's there. Every time God calls someone to follow him, it is an invitation to life. And what we have to wrestle with in that is will we accept that invitation and will we continue to follow Jesus in the life that he's inviting us to? You see, I'm invited to life. We're all invited to life. We're invited to life by Christ and the life that he's inviting to is the life that only comes in knowing his word and in following his word. And it's difficult at times for us to follow that type of life because we have so many things on our own that we've put in our heads and we've put in our hearts that we believe that life is all about and sometimes that life is best at. And to be honest with you, it falls way short of what God would have for us. But it seems like at times that the things that God would have for us don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense or might not be as motivating, but God is leading us to experience life in the way that he designed us. And the more that we do that, then the more fullness, the more completeness we have, the more satisfaction we have. And it becomes less and less about the circumstances that surround our life. It becomes less and less about the things that we're facing in life or the seasons that we might happen to be in. And we're able to find joy no matter where we are in life because we know that we're living the life that Christ has invited us. In the eternal aspect... We talk about it in this sense. Sometimes we think of the life in Christ only in the eternal aspect. We think about it sometimes when, when we say, well, yeah, I've given my heart and my life to Christ, and, you know, but life in this world is still tough, and, and I don't know how I'm going to navigate through it, but, oh, I'm looking forward to that day that you know, either Jesus comes back or I'm done with this world and he calls me home to heaven, and then life's really going to be great. Well, that's true, but it's not complete, you see, because the life that Jesus wants you to have begins now. It begins the moment that you follow him. And the more that you follow him in this world and at this time and in this life, the more that you experience the fullness that is there available to us all the time. We're invited to life. The reason we don't experience life to its fullest all the time is because we get distracted and we get put down by the things in this world and sometimes we lose our focus on life that comes in Christ. Last week we're, we're looking at this in the book of First Thessalonians and Paul's writing to this church. Last week we talked about this, that God invites me to connect with the church. That's part of the life that God has for us. He invites us to connect with a church. You see, we live in a world that, that really promotes this idea of individualism and, and make your own self and do your own thing and think your own thoughts. And, and what God promotes is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's a little bit different than this idea of I don't need anyone, I don't want anyone, I don't have to have anything, I can do this on my own. And let's be honest about this, there are better preachers in the world, Amen. Come on, I know you believe it. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby believes it. I know that. 
And we live in a world that you can get online and you can download this and you can do that and you can watch this. I do it. There's some good preachers out there. I listen to them and I, I hear some great teaching. And, and so it, it's not about that when we talk about church. Church is the place where we get to, to come together. We get to fellowship with one another. You get to know people face to face. You can't do that listening to a podcast in your car. You can't do that with the church. And we even talked about this other things. God desires that you find life in him by connecting with the church. And we even talked about this last week. It's not only about connecting for you to fellowship because in doing the things that a place where you get to serve and use your giftedness because in doing the things that God's created you to do, you find life. And if you're only taking things in or you're only receiving, and like I said last week, it's not a guilt trip, sir. Do these things, you're missing out on the fullness of life. And so it's like I said last week, it's not a guilt trip sermon. It's not, hey, you need to find a place to serve. It's, hey, you need to find a place to serve. Because if you're not serving and loving your neighbor as yourself, then you're missing out on doing life together, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's where you're going to experience life at its fullest. And we talked about that last week because Paul, when he thanks, and it brings joy to him when he thinks about the Thessalonians because of their work because of the stuff that they actually did, because of their service. Not because of their hearts, not because of their joy, not because of their friendship, but because of their work. And so we get a clue that God invites us to life connected, and yes, we get the fellowship. Yes, we get to find that life. And in doing that, what that means is we're connected, and yes, we get the fellowship. Yes, we get to love one another. Yes, people get to take care of us. But I also get to, in turn, serve as God leads. We're taking the letter as a whole, we're not necessarily going through the book of First Thessalonians in order. We're more taking the letter as a whole and saying, what is Paul so thankful for? What's he talking about? And the next thing that you see is that God invites me to pray to him. God invites me. It's hard for me to know that if I'm not in communication with him. You see, sometimes people hear Christians talking and say, well, God really spoke to me. And let's just be honest, that's a funny sounding phrase, isn't it? If you don't walk with Christ, if you don't know Christ, somebody might look, you know, when, when we say that God speaks to us, help you with the voices in your head and the things that are going on, but that's not what we're saying. You know, when, when we say that God speaks to us, it means that we connect with him in prayer, that God speaks through his word to us, that God communicates with conversation. Conversations are two ways, right? We talk to him, he speaks to us, that we are connected life at its fullest as God, God in prayer, we begin to experience life at its fullest, as God intends it for us to have. So, I want to look at 1 Thessalonians, chat prayers in 1 Thessalonians, and then we're going to talk about what it means to be effective in our prayers. Thank God for you. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, how can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you. Now, I'll get to reading the rest of this in just a minute. There's, there's one of two ways that you can underline that in your Bible, highlight it, do something, and just think about this. There's, there's one of two ways that you can look at this particular verse. First thing that comes to mind to me, do you have people in your life that you are so thankful that God put in your life that every time you think about them, you just go, I'm so thankful. Talking about, and it only person to do life with. 
You see, that's that type of connection that Paul's talking about. And it only comes in doing life together, not life on your own. And so here's the other thing that I would say on that. That person needs God for you in person needs to know that. What beautiful words that Paul would write. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy that we experience before God because of you? Meaning that every time I think about you, it just brings joy to my heart. And could I also challenge us? Don't you want to be that person for someone else? Enough for this person in my life. This is how Paul starts writing in this passage. Then he goes on and he says, as we pray earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Paul's not saying that they're not faithful enough. What Paul's saying is, look, we are so thankful for you because if I could see you face to face, then iron could sharpen iron and we could continue to grow in the Lord together. And this is my prayer of what I want to see. And he goes on and he says this simple three-sentence prayer for them. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone just as we do for you. And may he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Just three simple sentences, but they're packed with so much that Paul just takes time to pray for these people saying, I wish I could come back and connect with you soon. I want to see you face to face. I'm so thankful when I think about you. So once again, we see things in this letter that I think should challenge and inspire us to say, I want to be that type of person. I want to be that type of church. I want to be that place for someone else, which is why it's so important that we stay connected to one another and we stay connected to God in prayer. Paul also gives some instructions, if you will, over in chapter 5 of First Thessalonians. the things that you should do, starting in verse 15. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Ooh, I'd rather pursue what's good for me. That's a lot easier. But what Paul says is, look, pursue what's good for one another and for all. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ he who calls you is faithful he will do it brothers and sisters pray for us also you see prayer is all over this book prayer is all over the books of the New Testament prayer is all over the Old Testament prayer as I said last week with about church membership you're not gonna find a verse that says thou shalt join a church in scripture it's just a given that if you're a follower of christ that you're connected in a church because you have that place to grow and serve and in this you actually will find verses that say pray constantly and that you should go to the lord in prayer that you should take all things to him but it is a given that as a believer as a follower of jesus christ that prayer should be an important part of our life so let me just go ahead and say this here's the truth about prayer if i were to take a survey today starting with me and going to every person in here, and I said, do you feel like you pray enough? 
the answer would be 100% no. Okay, let's just be honest about that. Because all of us, we would go, I wish I had more time to pray. I wish I took more time to pray. I wish I prayed better. And I will also tell you the famous thing that I always say. You know how you learn to pray? You pray. That's the, the only way that you learn how to pray is to actually do this. So what I want us to look at today is how do we take this example of Paul and the way that he seems to just write and instruct and pray and do we know that he has these fervent times of prayer and we know that he has these instructive times of prayer and it's different. How do we take that, learn from that, and for us to move forward in our faith? We just need to understand that our challenge is not necessarily to say the right words or to do the right things, but we just want our prayers to be effective. Amen? When we pray, we want it to mean something. We want it to have something to it. So let's look at some, some aspects of an effective prayer life. The first thing that I would point out is that intense. It's intense. Well, the first thing that happens at times is that effective prayer looks pretty intense. It's intense. And I, I started off with that one because I think it really may catch you a little bit off guard. But true prayer is intense. And the reason I say that is because there are times that we're, we're not so intense or passionate with our prayers. Perhaps sometimes the only time we pray is maybe before a meal or while we're thinking about something, and it, it, it might just be this thing that we're thinking, okay, I need to get through this so I can eat, you know, or I got to go through this so I can move on to something else. Or, or sometimes, and I'm guilty of this as well, sometimes, you know, people share with us some things, and we look at them, we pat them on the back and go, I'll be praying for you about that. And that's about as intense as we ever get with it. But when you look at Paul's example, and when you look at the example in Scripture, <laughs> and he says, we pray fervently for you. We, we long to see you. We pray constantly. I go, okay, there's something there that's a little bit different than the things that are in my prayer life at times. And so I want to learn how to be that intense. Let me ask you a question. Just think about it. You don't have to answer out loud. But what are the things that generally happen in life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that when those things happen, you don't have to think about it, you don't have to muster anything up, but all of a sudden you are praying and you are praying intensely. What are those things that get your attention? And how do we learn for it not just to be a crisis or a child or a child or a child? Um, how do we learn for it not to be those type of things, but how do we learn the heart to be able to pray for the things that drive God's heart with such intensity how we pray for the things that drive our hearts at time as well? How does God begin to mold and shape our hearts that we experience life like he wants us to experience, grows our heart into the heart that he wants us to have so that our prayers are effective and meaningful and intense at times? You ever had someone in your life that when they look at you and say, I'm praying for you, you go, oh, I am so thankful that that person is praying for me because, man, that means something. I want to be that type of person. And so I understand that there are some times that for me to be better at prayer, I need to get rid of all the distractions. I need to move everything out of the way. There are times that I need to just focus, and I need to know that I need to take these things to the Lord, and we need to have a serious talk, right? You know the difference, right? Where your friend calls you up and goes, hey, we need to talk sometime. Or they call you up and go, hey, we need to talk. There's a difference in the everything moved out of the way and everything in order and on our knees and intense. But what are the things that drive us there and how do we do that more often and more consistent to make our prayers more effective? You see, we have, I believe, the greatest example of the most intense prayer ever in history 
recorded as Jesus was preparing to go to the cross. Look at this intensity in Luke chapter 22. It says, he went out and made his way as usual, this is Jesus, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then the angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer and came to the disciples, he found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. I will just tell you the person that I identify most with when I read that is the disciple. <laughs> that God goes, you need to pray. I'm like, I'm going to sleep. I can't handle this. And, and I want to be more of the person who prays in, in, intensely about some things, who cares so deeply and who carries that burden. And I noticed some things about Jesus' prayer that I think are important for us to point out. Jesus, knowing he was growing to the cross, fully took on his circumstance head on. And he looked at God and said, if we can do this another way, that'd be great. God, I don't want to go through this. There is a circumstance that is in front of me that I'm having to deal with that I don't like. This circumstance has brought me to my knees. And it has wrecked me so much that I am overwhelmed to the point and so intense about this that I am pleading with you and talking with you with sweat drops like blood to say, if there's another way to keep me from going through this, then I would rather not do things this way. He said, but not my will, but yours. It says that the angels came and strengthened him. And God answered Jesus' prayer by saying, we're not going around it, we're going through it, but we're going to go through it together. You see, God doesn't always answer our prayer, even our most intense prayer by saying, okay, I'll take these things from you. Sometimes he just strengthens us in that moment to remind us that he's going to walk through these circumstances with us. And these circumstances are going to have a greater meaning and a greater thing and something greater to them. And can I just be honest with you? That's not what you want to tell people when they're facing the circumstances. Somebody's facing difficult circumstances. You don't look at them and go, well, God's got a reason for it. You just hold on. You just get on your knees and pray for them. And you just walk beside them through that. And guess what? When they get to that, you can talk to them and say, I knew that God would see us. That's how you do this. And this is what's happening here. But there's an intensity in your prayer life, a passion that comes in prayer. Do you have that at times in your prayer life? And if so, what's drawing you? those things. Something else we see about effective prayer is that it's consistent. It's consistent. If you have trouble memorizing scripture, I'm going to help you today. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray constantly. Everybody say it with me. Pray constantly. One more time. Pray constantly. You just memorize scripture. Amen. You get to go home today. Memorize scripture at church. Pray constantly. Two words. Got it. And this is something that's key about our prayer life. It's not something that should be done sporadically. It's not something that should be done 
off and on. We should be a person of constant prayer, which dictates the fact, right, that we can't always get a stone's throw away, drop on our knees, and be in this intense mode. That would be a little odd at work, would it not? People go, don't bother Lindell. He's like praying over there. And Well, when is he going to stop? Well, he said pray constantly, so he's always this way. That doesn't work in life. So this consistency that Paul is talking about is that we need to always be willing to go to the Lord in prayer about the things that are on our heart, not just once, not just twice, but constantly because it is a dialogue with God. And as God speaks to us and as we talk to him, sometimes what happens is the answer becomes clear. Sometimes what happens is God begins to shape and change our hearts to see things that only he could see at the time until we came to him consistently in prayer and allowed him to change our heart to see things differently. God answers prayer so many different ways, I can't explain them all. But one thing that we see about it is consistency is key. And so when Paul says pray constantly, he's not just saying that flippantly. He's saying truthfully, we need to be constantly in an attitude of prayer, remembering that God's power is available to us. His presence is with us. He's walking with us in all that we see. Jesus talked about this idea of always praying as well. He shared a parable. I'll be honest, when I first read this parable when I was young, I, I was like, I don't understand this parable. I don't understand what God's saying. But then it begins to make sense. Look at this, Luke 18, starting in verse 1. He says, now Jesus told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Pray always and not give up. I'm just going to say it. Some of you, that's all you needed to hear today. You're not going to hear anything else I said in this sermon, but God's word for you today was to pray always and don't give up. Because maybe you're at a point where you're going, I don't, I don't know what else to do with it. Pray always and don't give up. So Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a story about this. Verse 2, he says, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God and didn't respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he was unwilling, but later the judge said to himself, even though I don't fear God and I don't respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, here's why this was confusing to me when I was younger. I kept reading that over and over going, is God telling me that I need to pester him to the point that he finally goes, we're just going to keep Lundell quiet by answering his prayer. That's how I used to read that. I'm like, I don't get what he's saying, but that's obviously not what this is saying at all. What's going on here is Jesus is saying, look, even the unjust who have authority, when people are consistent with them, they change what's going on. But there is a God who loves you, who wants what's best for your life. And so if you will consistently bring your things to him, and if you will pray and don't give up, God is faithful, God will answer, and you will see his hand at work because he loves you. And so he's using this as an example to go, if this guy does it, 
and he doesn't love and he doesn't care, how much more will God be willing to answer the prayers of those who come to him consistently because he loves them and he cares for them and he desires that they find life in him. And so God desires that we come to him consistently with our prayers, constantly. It's in doing so that we begin to align ourselves to the will, to the mind, and to the heart of God, and we don't give up because God will answer prayer. And I'll be honest with you, there's nothing more encouraging and frustrating all at the same time. Because on the one hand, I go, that has all come to me and go, I have been praying for these things to happen for 30 years. Because on the one hand, I go, that is awesome that God has answered prayer after 30 years. And at the same time in my head, I go, God, why did they have to wait 30 years? Why did they have to do that? And I don't know the answer to why God does that all the time. But I do know this, that he hears the prayers of every 7 billion people on this planet. He cares about everyone. His desires for them to be saved and to know him and to experience life. And he invites you to that life. And as God controls the destiny of all things and guides those who are following him to find life and he orchestrates this whole thing, then God is patient. God has all the time in the world because he created it. And in his time, he will answer. And you will see the justice of God in his time. That's what he's saying. Another thing about, about effective prayer it's, it's not just intense and it's not just consistent. It's specific. It's specific. You know, sometimes, let's just, let's just cut to the chase. Sometimes the reason I can't pray specifically for other people is because I haven't taken the time to get to know them. Because at times, I'm so busy or so concerned with my things that I don't know what to pray for other people because I don't know the other people. And God wants us to pray specifically, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. And this specific thing, it doesn't have to be long and drawn out. You, you saw that Paul prayed three sentences. Three sentences. We want to come and see you. We pray that your love increases and overflows for one another and everyone else around you. And we pray that God would hold, keep you blameless until his coming. Those are three things. Very specific prayers. What, and I'm not trying to be funny with this, but it wasn't just, God bless the Thessalonians, amen. It, it was very specific things that he was asking for the, for the there it goes, the for the Thessalonians. Dadgum lisp, it's going to get me, okay? So specific, he wants you to be specific. Look at this in Matthew chapter 6. Whenever you pray, Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Well, what's their reward? They got seen. That's why they prayed. Verse 6, he says, but when you pray, go to your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. That's one of my favorite verses because I used to think, well, if I'm praying, I've got to say all these words and I've got to say it in the right way. And no, God says, just go to your closet, get on your knees, tell me what you need, let's talk about it, and we can move on because I already know what you need. And so let's just have a conversation about it. And let's be specific about it and let's get real. And you know what? If you're mad at God, tell him. He can handle it. 
If you're frustrated and confused with God, tell him. If you're happy about something, tell him. If you need direction about something, tell him. If you need to know how to navigate life, tell him. And get specific. God, I don't know how to, and God, lead me to do these type of things. And when you're praying about other people, you can be specific. Let me just give you a little clue. God, it says in Romans 5.8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you're praying for someone to come to know the Lord, check. God is with you. He wants that to happen all the time, every time. And so you will line up with the heart of God as you pray for the salvation of those around you who don't know him. How about this? When sin entered this world, that's when death and sickness and brokenness and all those things came in. So as you're praying for people who are dealing with grieving or sickness or illness or those type of things, you can be specific and you can pray, God, we know this isn't your will. We don't know why they're having to deal with these things, but we just pray that you would heal them, that you would help them, that you would lead them, that you would comfort them because we know it's the will of God that we experience life as he intended, not as the broken sinfulness in this world has came. Now, again, Because we do live in a broken world, we do experience pain, we do experience death, we do experience sin, all those things, but God's will is that we don't deal with those things. So you can pray for people very specifically, and you can be in line with the heart of God when you pray specific prayers for others. It doesn't take a lot. This is what Paul was praying. Pray that you would be, keep blameless until the coming of the Lord, that you would be sanctified, that you'd be justified. All these things are in line with God so you can be specific. And one more thing about effective prayer. It's also selfless. Now, God wants to know your needs. God cares about you. God wants to hear from you. But effective prayer, and the reason that we even talked about this last week, about life in Christ is being connected with the church. You're doing life with one another so that you can also serve and love on one another. And do you realize that most of the time when God answers prayer, he answers prayer by using somebody else to answer the prayer of somebody else, which doesn't happen if you're only focused on yourself. But when you begin to pray for others, you begin to know their story and hear their story, then you begin to be the answer to the prayer at times as well. And so a selflessness in prayer is important. Paul even asked, pray for us also. Paul's saying, I'm praying for you, and I want you to pray for me also. This last week, I I had the opportunity to um, go back and visit some people in Lafayette, Louisiana. And one one of my friends there, his name's John. And John is a person who, he walks in with his Bible and he sits down, and we're, we're talking about things, a little iron sharpening iron, just a great guy. But here's one of the things that just floored me about John. He opens his Bible, he pulls out a sheet of paper, and he's got just a list of names and these things written beside it. I didn't know what it was. And he goes, okay, hey, Lyndall, last time we were together, four years ago, you asked me to pray for this. I've been praying for this. Do we need to change that? What do we need to be praying for now? I went, uh, yeah, I've even forgotten about that, but thanks for praying for that, and we can now update. How hard is it for me to look at someone else and say, how can I pray? Or years later to go, hey, I've been praying for you about this. First of all, how much of a blessing was that to me? Immense, to know that somebody had been praying for me in that way, but it also challenged me to go, I can do this for someone else as well, and I pray that would be a challenge for you as well. But why is this prayer so important? Because here's the truth. It's my prayers will allow God to navigate my steps. 
You see, that's why prayer is so important. My prayers will allow God to navigate my steps in life. When I don't know how to live life to the fullest, when I don't know the direction to go, when I don't know what to do, as I stay connected to God in prayer, he listens, he, he helps us, he loves us, he leads us. And so the more that we spend time in prayer, as Paul said, constantly, then the more that we tune ourselves into the things of God. And we're more aware of his presence and his power around us. And so one of the ways that we're invited to life is to connect with God in prayer. And in doing so, he begins to reveal life in a way that we could never have without him.